0: Thank you so much for the uh, many donations that you made. Uh, we took an inventory, and on yesterday, they gave out over 3,500 pieces of clothing on yesterday. Isn't that good? Give yourselves a hand for that. Come on. Give, give the Lord a praise. Over 3,500 pieces of clothing. So thank you for your, your donations and your hard work and your effort. And uh, it, it, it is, it's so important that we reach out to people who are in need. Because there's a whole lot of people who have it a lot worse off than we do. Amen? And uh, they need support and they need help. And uh, we are a church that believes where Faith and Life Connect. Amen? Amen. So uh, at this time, we're going to prepare ourselves. We already had the message, so I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, because um, we had worship from 10 to 10.20, and Brother Ron went from about 10, 12-minute sermon, so I, I don't know what else I got to do. I don't, I, I'm just at a loss. I might, I might have to do benediction and be, let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> Amen. He's just warming up, too. He's just warming up. He just getting warm. Amen. If you have a child between the ages of, of 2 and 10, please allow them to go to Children's Church. Um, we have any small children between the ages of zero to two. We have an area of ministry where, whereby you can take them, and certainly you can see the service and also hear it. So uh, you won't miss anything as we're sharing the word. Amen? While they're doing that, I'm going to ask if you would just please stand as we're going to prepare ourselves to read the word. And I, I want to begin uh, just to s- just talk to you about the topic. And we've been dealing with a lot about stewardship. How many have been blessed by the messages on stewardship? That um, stewardship is really about managing what God has given to us. And so we're not talking about a faith that we only exercise when we're in church or doing prayer or doing some type of certainly an important like reading your Bible. But every time we are in our respective places at home, at school, or at work, we are to be mindful that God has given us things to use and given us gifts to use. And so we're called to be good stewards of that. And so I want to talk to you today about investment. Investments. Okay? And not just investments, but particularly investing your life. God doesn't want you to spend your days. He wants you to invest your days. Because often what happens, we are, rather than us trying to understand what investment means, and how that relates to even the future. We're just trying to survive. You, you all right? We're just, we're just trying to survive and get through the, the murky issues of life, the troubles that we go through, the difficulty that we're having, the tribulation, the problems, the disappointments, all the confusion and all the things that just happen in life. And we forget the understand, with this understanding that stewardship is about investment and it's about future let's pray father we thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you thank you lord for your presence is here already we pray lord that as we hear and we digest your word thank you lord for you showing up in our worship experience and we pray now lord that god that you would we would have an encounter with you with the word of god Pray that our hearts will be open that will never be the same. I pray that you meet every need. I don't know every need that's in this house today, but you do. You know every problem. You know every decision that has to be made. So, Father, I pray that you would speak out of this word, Father, something that is very pertinent to what we need to do. So thank you, God, for challenging our hearts, building us up in faith. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said amen. Matthew 25 is our scripture today. Uh, Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14 to verse 30 may be a very familiar portion of Scripture. It is a parable that Jesus tells his disciples. He said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags. And to another, he gave one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See? See? I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. But whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, this scripture is a little challenging for me because uh, all that begins well doesn't end well. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? Amen. All, all that begins well does not also end well when it comes to the master. And so as we're talking about this whole investment of life, may God's hand be upon us as we walk in stewardship. God bless you. You may be seated. To bring you a context of what, we're, what this whole passage is about, we talk about investing your life. Jesus in chapter 24 talks about the fact that he is is going to come again. And he talks about the signs of his coming. And the disciples, as they were listening to him, they wanted to know exactly the date and the time that he was coming. And so Jesus says, No one knows when I'm going to return, but you should be ready. So when Jesus puts it in context, he says, There's a future event that's going to happen. I'm going to return, but you don't know when the day or the hour is going to be. So, to prevent yourself from missing that great event, maybe you will call it the rapture or the catching away of the church, or his coming to judge the world. He said, look, in order for you to really take advantage of this whole event that's coming in the future that you don't know when, just be ready. Just be ready. We don't know when storms are going to come, such as snowstorms, but you know you've got to be ready in the winter. We don't know. We don't know when we're going to get nor'easters. We don't, we don't know. We, but we do know that we need to be ready. You know, I remember years, years, years ago and even times when uh, I, I would go to my dad's house. My dad was a buyer. So while you know him as a pastor, he was also a buyer. And being a buyer, he would always make sure that he had more than enough. So when you went upstairs in his attic space, it was like a store. He had two, three, four, five of everything. From chicken to paper towels. He, 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 and if you ran out, in the, in the kitchen where everybody was eating. He said, well, no problem, don't, don't get excited about that. You don't, you don't have to run to the store, just go right on upstairs. It's all up there, you can get whatever you want to. And he kept it stocked. He didn't worry about storms. He didn't, he didn't run to the store when, oh my goodness, we're going to have a Norista and you running to get water. He had all that stuff when nothing was going on because he said, you know something, a storm is going to come. So, 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 you know, when I ran out, you know where I went. I didn't go to stop and shop. <laughs> I ain't going go to no stop and shop. I went right over there. I went right upstairs. And, and you know, he was ready. And it's important to understand that, that good stewards and stewarding your life is about being ready. Not only for what's going on now, but to also look to the future. And Jesus is talking about your future. He's talking about. Him coming back. So he tells these two parables when he follows through. He deals with these two parables. My wife's saying I got something on my coat. Must be her fur. <laughs> it's a. she tells she tell me, okay, am I okay? Thank you, honey all right. <laughs> oh. To our regularly scheduled program. He he tells these two parables, and the first parable is in chapter 25, where he talks about the ten virgins, or the five wise and foolish virgins. Now, in order to get a context for that, I'm not preaching on that text right now, but we are so far removed from even that word that we, in this culture, think virgins are something that's not. Another word for virgin is bridesmaid. All right. So you can bring your mind over here. OK. <laughs> Come on, you can bring your mind over here. They're talking about bridesmaids. And, and really what Jesus was talking about, he talked about this whole idea of a wedding. That when, when this wedding was happening, they they went through a process where there would be engagement, there would be the ceremony and then there would be the, the, be the celebration or the consummation of the, of the marriage. And during that time, the, the bridegroom, would go and get the house ready. So if they didn't have a house, they would actually get a house so that the bride can come in. right? So, so they work totally opposite to what Western culture is because we consummate before we... No, forget it. <laughs> I ain't going to get up out of that. But anyway, the, the whole idea is that they're, they're waiting for the, for, the, for the bride to come. The, the, and so when they're waiting... Um, the, the, there's a delay. The bridegroom's delaying. So they're waiting, and um, they have the parade. They're ready. They got these torches that they lit with rags that had oil in them, and you had to have oil on the rag to keep it, keep it lit. And uh, so, no, you know, there was a delay, and I've been to weddings that were delayed. How many of you went to a wedding that was really delayed? I went to weddings that were two and three hours late. Yeah. I, I said to the person one time when I did a I, and I was actually did a wedding like that. I said, "Can I can I get can I get some lunch while I'm waiting? <laughs> this is a long wedding. It, it was late, and so you know it was so late, brother Ron. I have never had a wedding this late. Everybody went to sleep. Read the text. I mean, now, how many know that's a long wedding? Right. And, and you know they didn't do they couldn't do anything. They had to wait. They're in the wedding. They're waiting. They're waiting. They, but the, the, it was such a delay. Everybody fell asleep. But that wasn't the problem. The time came when the bridegroom came and said, all right, it's at midnight. Come on, everybody get up. Let's go. And they take up their torches. What would be in our, what would be in our time would be their, their, their flowers. The bridesmaids would have flowers, right? But they were torches. And uh, five of them had oil left over or excess oil. And the other five, they didn't have excess oil. So they had enough for the event, but they didn't have enough invested to make the journey. And the Bible just basically tells you that, you know, when the bridegroom came, they weren't in position to really take advantage of that, and the door was shut. They couldn't get in. It tells you, just simply, the parable, just, just the peril Of what it means to be unprepared. The peril of being unprepared. Meaning that doors can shut on you because you're not ready. How many know what I'm talking about? There's there's, there's doors that have shut on me not because I wasn't there, I wasn't ready, I didn't prepare. You didn't prepare. You missed it. And so he tells about the dangers of being unprepared. And he goes into this parable, which we're going to, to, to deal with now, is the parable about the bags of gold. Now, just to go through the quickly, this, this whole understanding of this, Jesus has, is answering the question, what does it mean to be a good and faithful steward? A steward is a manager. A steward is one who basically is taking the resources that are given to him or her and managing those resources. So the first thing that we must understand about the text is that this master gives his servants bags of gold, meaning that it's not their bags of gold, meaning the servants' bags, it's the master's. Everything we own belongs to God everything, not, not some things, not things that you think he should, you should. he said, look, I own, every, I own the breath that you just breathed, yes. that you're breathing right now. He owns that. He can take it back whenever he wants to, and one day he will. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. What came from God will go back to God. Yes. It, it's, it's, a, it's a principle. He said, I, I, this, this master gave them bags of gold. And so that you understand servanthood, or this word servant, it's not slave. Some of the translations will say slave. It's not slave. When you look into, into the Greek word of, of, of servant or slave, it's the word doulos. The word doulos is employee. So this is business talk. Anybody know what I mean, business talk? See, see some people say that God is not about business. No, there's a lot of principles about business in the Bible. He's talking business with them. He's saying, all right, we're, we're really talking about you being a partner in my business. And in fact, I'm going to trust you enough to handle my business. Do you know that's what it is in the kingdom, that you are being entrusted to handle God's business? You know, you didn't know that? How, how are you handling God's business? You're a business, you're a manager. You're a manager. When God created Adam, he created him as a businessman. It's interesting that when, when the disciples were recruited to follow Jesus, he didn't go to the social concerns of society and those who were in it. He went to the businessmen. Did he not? Were they not, were they not fishermen? They had franchise, they owned boats, they were business people. Jesus is a businessman. So here he is. He's talking business now. And he's talking with his disciples. He says, look, I, I'm the one who owns everything. You are managing what I own. And then he said, all right, here's how it's going to be broken down. He says, first of all, you have to understand allocation. Allocation works like this, that the, Lord, the, the, the master gave them according to their ability. He gave them the bags of gold. He says, you have the ability to handle five. You got the ability to handle two, and you have the ability to handle one. That's why you should never be jealous over what people have. Did I say that again? You should, never, you should never be envious of what people have because everybody has something. They, they all had something, but we don't have the same capacity to handle the things that we have. Some of you have capacity to handle a lot more than others. And some of you have less capacity than others, and you need to be happy with the capacity that you have. You ain't hear no amen. Well, I wish I had their money. You don't want to lose that. I wish I was rich. You don't want to risk that. How many people won the lottery in a broke? Many of them. Many. And if they're not broke financially, they lost their mind. Because right. yeah. right. 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 they don't know how to handle wealth. They, don't, they, you, you, they can't handle $100. How are you going to handle $10 million? You don't know, you, you know how to handle that. So God, God is smart enough in his infinite wisdom to know that I can only handle a certain amount of things. So he gives me according to what I can handle. So now we have the allocation. So as we're dealing with allocation, how much did God give you? What did he give you? How much did he give you? Now, we don't do inventory on that, do we? Because when we seem to want more, we go to God, we want more, and God is saying, what you doing with what I gave you? Right. 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 What, what, are you going, what are you doing with what I gave you? Um, before you ask For all of this stuff, why don't you use what I gave you? Remember Moses? Moses has a stick and he's ready to go. And and he's he's finding that he's looking to try to get across the Red Sea. And he said, Lord, what are we going to do? Give us a miracle. He said, what's in your hand? He said, it's just a rod. It's in your hand. Why why is it in your hand? It's in your hand so you could use it. That's why no one should say, I don't have a job. That's right. Because if you look inside what God has given to you, you don't, you don't hear what I'm saying. If you look what God has given to you, he's giving you something so that you can do something. Right. So we have allocation. Everybody has something. Everybody has been the of something. The second thing is that you've got to utilize. There's a utilization. The Bible says very clearly These servants or employees or managers, once they got their allotments, two of them, one with five, one with two, went out immediately and stopped putting it to work. They started investing. They started investing. They started making a return on the investment. Investing is different from spending. Oh, did you know that? Investment. It, it, it almost looks the same, but it's not. See, when I spend, and I go to, a, to go to a shopping center or go to a store, I go into a shop, and let's say I'm buying a jacket. So I look for the jacket. I see what fits, what color it is, and if, if it works for me, I look at the tag. I take it off the rack, and I go to the counter, and I exchange some type of payment for the garment. I spent something, and I got something for it. But when you invest, investment is a little bit long-term. right? Investment is long-term. So that you don't put your money in the retirement fund when you're 20 expecting to get it out when you're 23. Just try it. Because if you take it early, they're going to penalize you. Probably something like 20%. Is that, that, that around right? And they'll say, you're not old enough to, wait a minute, you invested in your 20s, you're only 22, 23, 24, you got till 70. You might be like, what? 70? Yeah, 70. This is long-term investment. And, and so it is when it comes to your life. There's a lot of folks that spend their time, spend their life, but they never invest it for long term. You know why? Society says you should get something out of it right away. And there are certain things you will not get out right away. Try raising a child. (laughs) Try raising a child. You ain't getting certain things for a long time. Huh? You, you may, the investment that you make in them as children, you may not see 20, 30 years from now. So if you give up on the second grade, <laughs> oh, I don't want them no more. I had enough. I'm done with this. This, this job is, uh uh-uh. uh-uh. Nobody told me about this. They're in the second grade. I'm just, uh-uh, I ain't doing no more. I'm done. You, you, you've messed up the investment. In the investment, there could be a lot of spilled milk and a lot of bad stomach issues and all kinds of stuff that goes on. But if as we're parents, we know that if we keep on investing, we believe we're going to get a return on our investment. Yes. Can you say amen to that? Yes. And so parents, I want to encourage you. Anytime you think your investment is going bad, what you need to say is, I'm not spending, I'm investing. I'm at this for long term. Two invested, and one was wasteful. So here's th- three things that you need to know as an employer. Here's the three things. Number one, that being an employee and a manager, you have a privilege, You have a privilege. You have privilege. Privilege means that um, God has entrusted to me something that entitlement is not part of discussion. Here's why it's important, because we live in a very entitled society. People think they get things because they deserve it. oh, you know what, I I, I deserve it because I went to college. So what? A whole lot of people went to college. A lot lot of people went to college. I I deserve it. Look how hard I work. Really? There's a whole lot of people that work hard didn't get hardly anything out of it. You haven't worked as hard as your forefathers who were slaves. You ain't. uh, Anybody cleaning floors lately? Anybody work for food? Anybody spend 16 hours on the field? In the sun? And you're crying about the air condition that you're sitting in because you're sitting at a computer and you have to print a spreadsheet. We live in an entitled society. Very do. Very entitled. So much so, we don't want to do anything unless we get it now. And unfortunately, that's bad stewardship. Because we never invest our life because we feel entitled. But then there's a responsibility. Responsibility comes with the privilege. If you have responsibility, it's because you have privilege. And if you don't appreciate your privilege and be responsible, you should lose your privilege. Don't give privilege where people aren't responsible. It was quiet in here. You right? Don't 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 give it. You're, you're going to be sad. It's going to disappoint you. Because if we give privilege where there's no responsibility, it could end up in catastrophe. See the reason why. I mean, I know you read read stories of how. All of these different catastrophes and accidents happen. Some of them happen because someone who has a privilege is not responsible. So if I get out and I go to a bar and I drink a fifth. Now, some of you don't know what a fifth is. That's okay. Some of you know exactly what a fifth is. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You drink a fifth, and you just guzzle it down, and, and all of a sudden you come out a little bit inebriated. <laughs> you get you get behind a wheel of a car, and you have an accident, and someone gets injured, hurt, or even dies. How is that God's fault? How 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 is that God? Well, God did it. I said, no, no, God didn't do that. You were responsible with the privilege that you had. So you made a decision, a poor decision, and now you're going to blame God. And God said, don't blame me for it. You you have to understand responsibility. But then you have to understand that responsibility also gives you opportunity. Every employer, every organization, every family, they... These things are important because once you have opportunity, it's a blessing. But with the opportunity has, is privilege and is responsibility. More opportunities will open if you do those two things. If you recognize that having a job is a privilege. How many know having a job is a blessing? I didn't say if you liked your job. I didn't say that. I said you have a job. You have an income. Say praise the Lord. I got an income. I bless the Lord because I have an income. I got something coming in. That's a privilege. That's a privilege. But you got to be responsible. You got to show up every day. Every day? (laughs) You got to do the work. And if you don't do the work, you're going to lose the opportunity. It's a principle of stewardship. So the master then rewards. Let's kind of run this down. Here's the rewards. Number one, when the, when the servant or the employee had, who had five brought back and doubled what they made, there was affirmation. How many like affirmation? Affirmation. He says, oh, well done. He said, see, master, look what I did. I had five. I got another five. Look. What, look look, And he says, well done. Do you know that God says well done when you bring a return on investment? Yes. When, when you and I have a life that returns back to him greater than what he's put in, he's happy. He's happy. He said, well done. You did a great job. The second one came, same thing. You did a great job. The third dude that came, I think he was looking for affirmation. But he got condemnation because he doesn't actively. I'm going to show you, show you what, what, his, what his story was about in a minute. But not only did they get affirmation, you get promotion. Somebody say promotion, promotion promotion how did he get a promotion he got a promotion because he was faithful with the few things he had god is into promotion god wants to promote you can you say this with me god wants to promote you god wants to promote you know i sometimes i get a little bit disturbed because christians turn down promotions that's too much work well good night Really? I mean, well, good night. You're supposed to be promoted. That's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying? Well, I don't want to do that much work. You know how much stress that is on the top? What well, that's supposed to happen because God needs somebody promoted who he can trust. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying? God would never bring you to the height of anything if you could not be trusted. But here's what happens. We don't want to do the work That promotion. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying, because that may mean you got more hours or it may mean you have to think a little bit differently or you may have to be in charge of something larger than what you what you had before. Or you may have to have more faith to operate than you did at a level back there. I met my father through the keys in my hand for this church. I was scared to death. I said, I don't know what what, what. what? He gave me the key. That means I got to be responsible. <laughs> but you'll never grow in stewardship in the plan of God if you don't understand that promotion is part of it. It comes with the territory of being a Christian promotion can you shout promotion just shout promotion shout promotion this year you need to look to be promoted you need to look to be promoted well no they asked me to do this but I have to pray, pray? what are you kidding me <laughs> you know because if, if I get the salary they're going to be doing this and they're going to be doing that and, and I got to come here and they'll be calling me and I and I got to have two cell phones and all so you go through all of that mess When God's trying to promote you and then complaining why the job is so crazy, because somebody up there can't be trusted. When it should be you, the one who's making the decisions, not them. Am, Am I am I in the building right now? Are you with me in the building? I used to complain, Brother Ron, oh, my goodness, there's so many people in charge. And God said, why don't you be promoted and then you can be in charge and do the right thing. Promotion. Look. For promotion, but don't look for promotion. If you ain't faithful, you'll get a demotion. Oh, my. Promotion, then they're celebrating. He said, all right, now that you've been faithful, come on in. Let's celebrate. Enjoy your master's happiness. Now, but now now now. Now, I, now, I'm going to tell you right now, I love you. Just before I say what I'm going to say. <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes you've got to say, I really love you, but let me tell you what I'm going to say. All right? I've discovered a secret to people's unhappiness. You want to hear it? The secret to your happiness is using what God had given, has given to you. That's the secret. He said, enjoy your master's happiness. I mean, think about it. He's saying, I have something that you can enjoy as a steward if you're faithful. But if you're not faithful, you're going to be miserable. Why are our young people so miserable when they have everything? Why are people in general so miserable when they have, I mean, everything? You got good health and you're miserable. Why? Didn't God, didn't God bless you with good health? How, how many have good health? You have good health. You have good health. Why are you so miserable? Well, you know I didn't get what I wanted. Well, you got health. There's some people that wish they had health. Come on now. Have you visited a hospital? There are people that wish they could walk around. There are people that wish that they, they, their heart didn't need any type of, of, type of uh, uh, some kind of mechanical device to pump it. And here you are, you complaining, and God waking you up every day. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. You should get on your knees and say, Lord, I thank you. I bless your name. I worship your name. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor just because you gave me life. Did he keep you healthy all week? Man, Praise the Lord. Did he bless your life all week? You still got a job Praise him for it. You still you still you still got your mind. Thank God that you can think. And when you put on your clothes, you know what body is on. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. You should go around these days and, and see people who are really in need, people who were once healthy, but are now sick. You will say, God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Brother Maurice, I, you know, talking to brother, it, it, he encourages me because he said, you know what? I am thanking God that he gave me another chance. After five years of not having a kidney, he blessed me with a kidney. Come on now. He said, my kidney's functioning. He said, do you know what it's like not to be able to go to the bathroom on your own for five years? And now you can walk to your own. Oh, you don't hear what I'm talking about. You can get up and eat your food and taste what you're eating. Oh, my goodness. God has been good to you. And you come in here not worshiping him. He's going, what's wrong with my people? I've been blessing them. I, I, you know, Brother Ron, that was so on today. God is blessing his people. And we are just, just looking at it like, well, the Lord, just be glad that I showed up. At least we need to give him the thank you card of praise. See, that's your thank you card. You ever write a thank you card to somebody? You, you thank them for it. That's, that's just etiquette. You thank them for it. You write a card. You, you send an email. That's God's email. Praise and worship. Praise and worship. You should never miss praise and worship. Tell your neighbor, don't miss praise and worship. You should never miss praise and worship because that's your thank you card. Celebration. But let's talk about quickly this one talented man. The that had one talent. He had less than everybody else. The Bible says he took, his, took the master's talent and he buried it. Why did he bury it? Because during the times, if you wanted to keep something safe, you buried it. You didn't put it in a bank account. You buried it. But he said, you know, by burying it, you didn't put it to any use. You just held it. And by holding it, you didn't gain any profit from it, and neither did I. So the Bible says, this man did not receive the affirmation that he was looking for. He said, see, look, I didn't lose it. But you didn't use it either. Do you know the credit card system does something like that? I think they know the Bible, too. If you don't use your credit, they close it. Am am I right? If you don't use your credit, they close it. I think they know Bible. <laughs> you might as well close the account if they ain't using it. And he says, "I knew that you are a hard man to please. I knew, I knew, I knew that you were going to ask me what I was, I was going to do with this, and I knew that I had to give an account for it. But, it, but I was afraid. I was afraid. The, the thing that will." hinder you from being a good steward is fear. Fear. And there are all kinds of fear. There's fear of not having, and there's fear of being successful. It's like, Lord, if I start the business, what happens if it grows? I have to deliver. Here's some things that we say to ourselves that keep us from really becoming good stewards. We go into self-doubt. We say things, I could never do that. I'm not qualified to do that. Why did God trust you with something if he didn't think you could do it? He ain't stupid. He's wise. If God put it in me, he knows I could do it. He has confidence I could do it. He has confidence I can manage it. So if he put it in me, why am I saying I could never do that? Secondly, self-pity. Oh, I failed so many times. Bishop, you don't know. I tried it once. It didn't work. Uh, you know what? I, I set out to do something, and it didn't, it didn't happen. How many of you set out to do some things and it just didn't happen? Right, it didn't happen. It's okay. It's okay it didn't happen. Um, just because you made an attempt and it didn't work doesn't mean you stopped making attempts. You found out one way doesn't work. You try another way. You keep going. Number three, self-consciousness. What will people think? what would people say? What will people, you know, you can't control what people think. I, I had to learn that, you know, you can't control what people think about you. Certainly you should live and have a, and be a good example. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you're setting out to do something, you can't always wait for someone to say, go ahead and do it. Because you'll never get anywhere and do anything. Well, I'm waiting for somebody to affirm me, don't, don't wait for that. I'm waiting for somebody to ask me. Don't wait for that. Self-consciousness keeps people from being good stewards. What will people think? Quite frankly, I really don't care what you think. I really don't. Because if I cared what everybody thought, I'd do nothing. Because one person would think it's good, another person would think it's bad. Another person would think it's, ah, it's all right, sometime. <laughs> you get all your opinions. That's why when our children were small, we never took votes on what we wanted to eat. <laughs> well, I want, I said, I don't care what you want, this is what we got. <laughs> Amen? I, I didn't care about what the. well, I want cheeseburger tonight. Well, you want cheeseburger? You wait till cheeseburger night, because this is not cheeseburger, this is liver night. <laughs> all the liver eaters out there anybody liver eaters out there even though your mama cooked it you still had to eat it thank God I had a dog <laughs> the dog like liver praise the Lord because okay. you have to understand everybody's not going to be in favor because you are stepping out to do something for what God wants you to do everybody's not going to be in favor nobody's going to go let's get behind them Sometimes you gotta watch who gets behind you, because they might be clock you on the head. Now let's talk about investing your life. Here we go. And this is it. Investing your life, you have been given a privilege of stewardship, and you have to invest it now. You have to invest now. You got that? Invest it now. If you've been given a privilege, invest it now. You only have so much life left, don't you? And you don't know how long. Invest it now. Start now. Well, you know, when my ship comes in, what ship? (laughs) What ship? I don't know. I don't know nothing about no ship. Invest it now. Number two, make choices that will help you utilize all that God has given to you. Part of the investment is you got to make decisions. Notice, all of these three managers made a decision. Two said, I'm going to act now. I'm going to invest. And one said, I'm going to hold on, and I'm going to bury it, and I'm going to hold on to it and see what will happen. If you do not make a decision, see, God has given you such an awesome thing called choice. I've given up the notion that people don't have choices. They do. Number three, you have to act. You have to act. Act means to get out of the rut. What, what a rut is, a rut is a grave with the, with the sides kicked out. Now, in the wintertime, when you drive, drive your car, how many of you got stuck in the snow? All right, you got stuck in the snow. Well, you know, I've been here for you all my life, and there are times you get stuck in the snow. Have you not noticed when you get stuck in the snow, you do a foolish thing? You hit the gas. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Well, if I rock it back and forth, woo. If I rock it back and forth, if I go oh I'm rocking back and forth now, rocking back and forth now. All right, we rocking back and forth now, rocking back and forth, but you rocking in the same hole. <laughs> Spinning your wheels, just rocking it. <laughs> well, where you going? Are we rocking it? <laughs> well, you ain't going nowhere. And you and you know that you ain't getting out of that unless you get a push. Unless you do something different. Isn't life like that sometimes where people are like, I'm rocking it. But you're not going nowhere. You got you to get out of the rut. Getting out of a rut means that you change the system and change something that propels you forward. So a change might be you might have to get up early in the morning. See, I can get no amen. This microphone don't work. It, I had, I, in order for me to pre, be productive, I had to learn how to get up earlier in the morning to pray. So when my eyes open, it's 4.30, 5 o'clock. No alarm. Time to pray. Before conference call prayer. Now, that may not be you. He may tell you, you got to work later. He may tell you, you got to stay later. Oh, my. He may tell you that you have to study a little harder. He may tell you that, you know what, you need a mentor. You can't do this by yourself. Because you've been spinning your wheels long enough, and you need somebody to help you push your way out of that stuff. Because if you don't, you're just going to be in the rut. In 2020, we'll be here, and you'll be saying, I'm going to have a turnaround in my life. And if you keep turning around, you dig a hole for yourself, too, because <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. How many are tired of not going nowhere? You, you just ain't going nowhere. you got to get involved. Somebody say involved. Involved. you got to get, get involved. you got to get involved. you you got to stretch yourself to be involved. And you have to understand that you've got to do something. Don't sit there. Do something. Where well, the Lord going, he's going to break through. You know what? Break through for what? He's going to, he says, look, Joshua. Joshua had an incident in, I believe it's in Joshua chapter 17 to chapter 20, 24. I can't remember which chapter it was. But a tribe came to him and said, we want that country over there. We want that country we, we see it over there. That's our promised land. And Joshua, Joshua said, you want it? Go clear it. Put your work in. Go clear the land, because if you ain't clearing it, you can't have it. Isn't that what he said? There's certain things you won't get unless you do it. Well, God will do it. He's not doing anything. He already did it. You got to do it. So unproductive habits have to go. Tell your neighbor, let go of your unproductive habits. Your unproductive habits. Some of us have unproductive habits. You sleep too much. Ain't nothing wrong with sleep. You got 168 hours. But some of us sleep too much. Every time you sit down, oh my, I want to go to my bed. No, pray the Lord. You could do that at some point, but you are too young to just want to go to bed. Last but not least, you can't let fear dominate you. Don't let fear dominate you. Fear can dominate people. It has, the, the scripture tells us in Psalms, the fear A man brings a snare. It's like a it's like a trap. When when you get so fearful that you cannot move. Fear has dominated you. Anybody ever have fear that dominated them? i raise my hand. It's like it paralyzes you. It's like I don't I don't know. This is big. I had to to stop being afraid of money or not having enough money. Some of you are afraid that you ain't got enough of anything. And so anything that looks big, you go, oh, Jesus. And God said, I'm your Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. I will will step out if you step in. Oh, my God, have mercy. You you know, you're, you're so afraid because you always heard when you were a kid, we ain't got no money. It was true, but it's not true. Because God said, I can provide for you. Yes. You're scared to go to school. What happens if I fail in school? I haven't been in school for the last 10 years, 20 years, or whatever. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. I don't know. So you sit there wishing, well, I wish I, could. I, wish I went to school. But why don't you go sign up? You may not be able to see graduation, but at least sign up for the class. <laughs> Come on now! You'll never see graduation unless you sign up for the class. Right, right, right. Take the first step. We're going to sign up. Second step. Going to class. Third step. Get a book. Fourth step. Go to class. Fifth step. Do the homework. Sixth step. Class is over. Sign up for another class. And before you know it, you'll be you'll be, you be one of them. Now, you might say, well, that sounds elementary, and it is in thought. Well, I know I should be much better physically. First step, get up. Second step, put your workout clothes on. Third step, go to the gym. Fourth step, get on the treadmill. Fifth step, stay in there at least an hour and a half. Sixth step, come on now, work up a sweat. You don't hear what I'm saying. Then tomorrow, you're going to be sore. Get up out of bed. Put your shoes on. (laughs) And before you know you're going to have a six-pack. Come on now. God wants to promote you. He does. And he wants you to be a steward of everything he has blessed you with. And today... I want to I want to invite you to let go of some things, particularly fear. Fear. Just let just tell your fear to shut up. Just tell to shut up. I know that God wants me to do something. You know why? He scares me to death. Number one, the reason why he scares me because he he lets me know I can't do without him. And not only that, he scares me because I need to walk by faith and not by sight. Everything we're doing in our house is a walk of faith, brother Ron. God tricked me. (laughs) He did, he tricked me, he tricked me. He tricked me. Because the part I was going to do, I had the money to do that. I didn't have no faith to have to do that. I didn't have to believe nothing. My money's in the bank. I already know what it is. But when you, when, when you discover that how big and stretching God wanted it to go, and you're $70,000 in the red, you better believe God. You better believe God. Now, my house is moving forward, but I'm believing God. And I'm all going to invite y'all to dance in my house with me. Yes, I am. When I have my open house, I'm going to say, come on in. Come on in, because we walk by faith and not by sight. Not by sight. Take today as a day to lay your fears down pick up faith. Would you stay with me? How many got something out of this? Investing your life. And I want you to do this. I don't want you to come to an altar simply to receive something today. I want you to come to say, God, I'm giving you my fears. If you have any fears, I just want to just invite you, just give them to God right here. Just leave your fear right here. Just leave it. Maybe it's a fear of starting a business. Maybe it's a fear of venturing out on your own. Maybe it's a fear of buying a house. Oh, my God, I don't have a down payment. I didn't have one either. I just believe God. I practice principles by faith. I took one step at a time. I begin to say, God, you can do this, and I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you can do it. But I'm going to be a person that steps out in faith. Just for a moment, before, before we pray, before, before we pray, I, I want you to close your eyes, and, and I want you to get that thing that's really been fearful for you. Fearful for you. Could be a relationship fear. Could, it be, could be a lot of different things that you're afraid of. We all struggle with fear, but we all can have faith. And I want you to get that thing in your hand and say, God, I'm I'm giving this to you. The Bible said the poor man cried and God delivered him out of all of his fears. Give that thing to God and say, God, I'm giving you this concern because I'm so afraid. Take it, Lord. Just take it. Let me just give it to you. Just give it to you. Make a motion with your hands that you're just giving it to God. You're just handing it over to him. Cast all your cares upon him because the Bible said he cares for you. Thank you, Father. I'm not a slave to fear. Now, I want you to with your same hands, that they're now empty because you gave that thing, that situation to God that you're fearful about, I want you to reach out and say, God, I thank you because of faith. I receive, my, I receive faith. I receive your faith. I receive your faith. The Bible said, receiving the God kind of faith. See, when Jesus said, have faith in God, he said, have the God kind of faith. That if you shall say to a mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it's going to obey you. Father, we receive it by faith. We receive it by faith. I reach up my hands, Lord, and I receive by faith. And I walk by faith and I don't walk by sight. I walk by your word. I walk by your word. Thank you that we're child, we're children of God. And we're not a slave to fear. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would you praise him like you receive faith today? Come on, will you praise him? praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Come on, will you give him a good praise? Father, we give you praise. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. Give you praise, Lord. Give you praise, Lord. Give you praise, Father. Give you praise. Praise for the faith that you give us, Lord. You gave us life and health and satisfaction, Lord. We give you praise for faith. We're not a slave to fear. Slave to fear. I'm no longer a
1: slave. for I am a child of God, for I am a child of God. I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave. It's a declaration, for I am a child of God, for I am a child. One more time, I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to feet, for I am a child of God. For I am a child of God. Can you just tell that to three people around you? Make that declaration. Tell them, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. Come on, tell three people. Tell three people. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. No No longer a slave to fear. No longer a slave to fear. No longer a slave to fear. No longer... No longer, no longer, no longer. You may no longer
0: no longer
1: hallelujah No longer
0: Hallelujah Hallelujah No longer no longer no longer
1: Hallelujah
0: Hallelujah Hallelujah
1: Before we go, just a couple of things. When you make a declaration against fear, know that it comes back with a vengeance.
0: Come on now, come on.
1: This may be the hottest week you have ever faced. When that fear comes back, you have to make some declarations and you have to stand in faith. You have to stand in faith. You can't stand in fear. I fought fear for a long time. Some of you go, you? Yeah, me fear for a long time. And as I began to get bold, as I stood in faith, I got bolder and bolder. Like Bishop said, each step, take that first step. Don't worry about the next down the road. What am I going to do Friday? No, 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 just get through Sunday. Come on, come on. And then take Monday. Come on. Then take Tuesday. Come on. Take each thing. Maybe some of you fear for money. You just need to go home today and write down everything you owe and write down your income. And just see it. Look at it be okay with looking at it. Don't try to solve it today. Just look at it. Some of you, there's relationships you need to fix. Make a list of those people. I need to talk to this, this, this one, and this one. Don't worry about what you're going to do. Just put it down. Look at it. Pray over it. Pray for those people before you talk to them. Okay? You're going to break slavery. You're going to break it. One day at a time, one mm-hmm. moment at a time, one issue at a time. Whatever your issue is, whatever yes. you gave to the Lord, he's going to show you. This is how I want you to address it. Address it. That's the first step. Address it. If you need somebody to pray with you, get somebody. Say, please call somebody, text somebody. Please pray for me. I'm dealing with my stuff. This work is an inner work. It's a work in your heart. Allow God to do the inner work. It's inside of you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. We'll see it on the outside, but it starts on the inside. But let me just let you know, it's going to be a little bit of pain. Tell your neighbor, it's going to be a little bit of pain, a little bit of pain. It's going to be all right, though, because we're no longer a slave to fear. We're children of God. The second thing I want to let you know is next Sunday, we're going to begin to try some different things in worship. Because this band here, the team that we have here, we work very hard to prepare for you. And most of you are not here. So we're going to shift things around a little bit. When we start at 10 a.m. next week in worship, we're going to do one song. One song. Somebody say one. One song. And then we're going to go into prayer. Next week is our communion Sunday. Okay? We're going to go into prayer. And after prayer, our bishop's going to be up to preach. One song. Can you say one? So you gauge that time. Starting at 10 a.m., there will be one song.
0: One song not repeating repeating. 70 times.
1: (laughs) It's not going to be one song lasting 20 minutes, half hour. It's going to be one song. And then we're going to pray. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And then our bishop's going to be up to preach. I'm letting you know the service order ahead of time so that you can gauge your time. Because this is where we start to take a step as a congregation. This is where we start to take a step as a people. As a people. Okay? You can spread the word. One song. Then prayer, Bishop will preach, we'll have communion after, and then we'll worship. We'll receive our offering after that, because you can't be here to give, you can't be here unless you're worshiping. So then we're going to worship together as a congregation, because right now, if we were to stay in worship, some of you, things would be broken off of you right now. They'd be breaking, breaking. Some of you, God wants to lift you into his presence in such a way that you've never felt before. You got to be here to sense that. God wants to do some work. There's some work he wants to do in us. There are some promotions right on the horizon. They're right there. They're right there. They're right there. God wants to stretch you in ways that you haven't been stretched before. He's waiting on us. So we're going to facilitate that to help you out a bit, okay? Going to help you out a bit. Going to help you. Going to help you. Is that all right? Going to help you. So how many songs next week? One. And then, Bishop, we're going to pray. Bishop's going to preach. We'll have communion together. We'll break bread at the table of the Lord. We'll receive our offering, and then we'll worship. And we're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to sing a song and then go out. So we're going to worship at the end together. Then there can be some altar ministry. Those of you that want some prophetic time will be able to have that at the end. We won't be all running out the door at 11.30, quarter, 12, or 12 o'clock. We're going to worship together as a family. Is that all right? Yeah. All right, so if you will not mind holding your neighbor's hand now, if you don't mind taking them by the hand, let's close out in prayer. Also, as a reminder, those of you that can stay and help, men especially, we need you to help stack these chairs. Uh, Sister Darlene will give instruction, but we need to get ready for heaven or hell. And if you forgot, your candy today we will be here this week, up, in, in, up until Thursday, receiving the candy. Over 200 people, sometimes close to 300 people, pass through here on a Halloween night. So we need your candy. Yes. And if you're like, oh, I forgot, you just want to give $5 or $2, whatever, we'll take that too. Just put it in the hand of one of the ushers. We'll make sure that that goes towards candy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and this time. We thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that you have promotion for us. Thank you for calling us to a deeper level and a higher place of stewardship with the gifts, with the talents you've given us. Forgive us for where we buried it out of fear. but We're no longer afraid. We're a child of God. You saw fit to give each and every one of us some talents, each and every one of us, something that we can use for your glory in your kingdom, on our jobs, in our homes, in our communities. So, Father, we pray this week, this week, this week, this week, we thank you that we're going to take it one step at a time moment at a time, trusting in you, putting faith and confidence in you. Mm. And Father, now we bless these people who have come today. We bless your sons and daughters. We bless their homes. We bless their workplaces. We bless their schools. We bless their neighborhoods and communities. We bless the work of their hands. And we pray God that you who have begun a good work in us We'll be faithful to complete it. We put our trust in you this day. Build in us this week. And God, we give you honor and glory and praise. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet your neighbor before you go. Have a blessed week. God bless you.